Welcome to episode 466 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 466 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles and Coach John Newsom's Drinkers and Powerade, I see. Gatorade, thank you very much. Oh, sorry, you're in America. Gatorade. Thirst quencher, natural fl- natural flavours, apparently. <laughs> no sugar in there, is there? Natural, my butt. As I sit here looking out the window, the waves crashing in, life is tough. When do, when do you fly back home? I fly home Monday evening. <laughs> apparently, Bevan, we've had feedback. Need to talk slower. Oh, but I've been told that for years. Yep, well, <laughs> day one. start doing it. Day, day start one, doing I've been it. told that. We're losing listeners. Not losing listeners. We're not gaining some potential new listeners. Some of the campers had been advised by other people, go and listen to the podcast. You know, you'll, you'll hear all about the camps and stuff. <laughs> Apparently, they listened. They lasted about 30 seconds. No, Couldn't understand a word we were saying. It's bullcrap, John. You know why? You can listen faster. Your hearing's actually faster. They say we should actually listen faster when we listen to podcasts and stuff and audiobooks. So I'm actually helping people by talking faster. <laughs> that's, that's my philosophy and I'm sticking to it. Cool. I talk is proudly brought to you by? Athlinks.com. Uh, social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. And our fantastic patrons. Okay, let's name a few, Jombo. David, the great greyhound, Hutchian. Nice. We've got Ken rocking the free world young. I love that one. Stuart, the compass moor. Good old Glenn slamming Newbolt. Robert Spine, tingler green. Oh, girls love that one. <laughs> Damien Bennett, <laughs> $100 bill. Okay, guys, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got an age group of the week. We have, uh, do we have an interview? I don't think we do, do we? We've got, we've got some interviews from my Kona, some Kona athletes who were hey, doing Did you do the interviews? Camp. I've done a couple so far, and I've got some more to do today. Oh, good. Oh, so you're going to get so, through to me tonight? Yes, oh, yes, really? I will. I've already done two or three. Good and boy. I'm proud of you. Proud of you. Because normally you just chuck them at me, and you know, then you go away and go out and sit and look at that view. I know. Uh, and then we've got some questions and answers, and we'll talk about the patrons at the end as well. So we had a few races happen over the last few days, and Ironman Landry Grotty was there, John, but we got an email by a guy called Paul uh, Paul Perry, I think it may be, and he's just saying he's given us a bit of a wrap of the race. But he said the win this year was crazier than you know. Every year it said that when they go to um, Lanzarote, it's windy, but this year it was the hardest for some time. And we were, he was reminded of why Lanzarote is such a challenging course. And if we look at the times, it wasn't a fast day. No, so top pro guys were you know riding five oh five, five ten. Looks like five oh five was the fastest split. There's a five oh nine in there from from Bert Jammer, who we know is traditionally you know very strong rider. Some great run times though. Um, so the winner, this was uh, two weeks ago. We pre-recorded last week's show. So the winner was Alessandro Di Giuseppieri from Italy. He swam fifty one, biked five twelve, and ran two forty seven for an eight fifty six forty. Nine. So, yeah, not a fast day. When we look at today's other results from Brazil, we'll see that it's an hour slower than Brazil. So, uh, slow day at the office. Christian Kramer was second in 8.59. And in third place, uh, Mauro Berch from, I think that's going to be Switzerland, in 9.04. And Gilside of Things? 
the girls. We've got to remember with this race as well, you know, it's it's lost a little bit of its luster because, um, you know, it doesn't have great points. It doesn't have uh, a lot of prize money. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of the top, the top names uh, generally will go to the bigger races. You do get the odd one coming here because they want to go and experience the whole Lanzarote tradition. Um, but this year on the girls, we had Diana Reisler take it out 9.56 for a pretty comfortable victory by around about 17 minutes over Michi Halbauer from Austria and Caroline Livesey from Great Britain in third. And Caroline was, we had her as an age grouper of the week a little while ago. I know her husband submitted her in because she was uh, one of the fastest age groupers last year in Kona, I think. So I think she won her age group in Kona. Your memory blows my mind away. I love our listeners, but I can I could never remember an age group of the week from the past. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was fairly fairly recent history. So uh, Still, good work, Caroline. I'm well impressed. If, if you're yeah. right, he may be talking out his out his butt here, team. But if he's right, I'm well impressed. There's no butt talking over here, Bevan. <laughs> no butt talking over here. <laughs> uh, so we also had a lot of Ironman Brazil happen last weekend, and. Uh, the times that we've got in front of us are a little bit Mickey Mouse. It doesn't seem like there was even a swim, but I think that's just more wrong. Yes, it is. The bike times are all mucked up. Uh, and as we somewhat predicted last week, a lot of the athletes that were on the start list did not turn up. They had raced uh, previously in, was it Texas? We had you know guys, guys and girls like uh, Leander Cave and Rachel Joyce was on the start list. It was a whole bunch. So, yeah, totally different set of results versus what was on the start list. The girls' side of things, we had uh, Adrian Monticelli, Shelly Silveira from Brazil. Nice run of 2.56. Breaks oh. a nine-hour barrier, 8.59.08, uh, beating Elizabeth Lyles, who is normally someone who cranks it through on the run. She still ran a 3.03, so that's nothing to sort of shoot things at. But she went nine hours and 31 seconds, and she would have been run down at some stage at the end. I mean, today we're just doing result reading because I haven't had time to go and look at all the, you know, the rundown of the race. And then third place was Amanda Stevens, who also, you know, you typically a great Runner, ran a 3.05 for a 9.01. So we only had two and a half minutes covering the top three. So that would have been pretty cool to watch because anything can happen in that final 10K. Well, if we look at the guys' race, we had six guys go sub 1.250 in the run. Mm, that's pretty that's fantastic. Yeah, it really is. is. Van Holnecker had a great race, took it out. Are we going to see him in Kona? Uh, he he was pretty adamant last yeah. year that he wasn't coming yeah. back. He, he, he really was, wasn't he? He was like, this race is just it doesn't work for me. What's the point? And yeah. he's had a lot of kind of very disappointing races there, um, but he's showing his pedigree here, isn't he? Great. It's a 48 swim, 411 on the the bike, and then a 249. So he's, he's, he is going to go down as one of the very, very good athletes that didn't win Kona that yeah. got, often, got, got him himself into a position a couple of times where he could have quite easily won Kona. Um, he raced risky in Kona as well, but didn't he? Like The thing hmm. about Van Helnecker is he was it's all or nothing. Because I remember when you were there, remember when he went into the energy lab and I, came out of the I was sure van. he was going to win. <laughs> yeah, he when, 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 he came, uh, when he came past us on, the, on, on a lead drive, I was like, there's absolutely no way because he's a good runner. He's yeah. a really good runner. He's just got to run a steady run, and he's won this. He was, I don't know, eight minutes in front or something ridiculous. And uh, yeah, he just had a meltdown. Who won it that year? Was it the year? Uh, sure, it was Crow. Oh, was it Crowy? Okay, no, yeah. Crowy, Crowy came through, I think. He literally came out of the energy lab in a van. 
Like he went exactly. in, he came out in the van. No, maybe it was no, that was the Pete one. Maybe, maybe. anyway. No, because Pete anyway. was winning quite easily. Remember, he was. Yeah, That's Pete right. won quite easily. Yeah, uh, it's easy as it is to race in Kona. Yeah. and uh, to, great, great, some great other races and results there. Tim O'Donnell was second mm. in seven fifty-five, fifty-six. Only a minute back, further back was Brent McMahon, seven fifty-six, and then only another couple of minutes back was Igor Amir Amirili from Brazil. And those, those, yeah, so four athletes under eight hours, and then in fifth place we had Tyler Butterfield in eight oh five. So good on those guys and we'll see how they pan out later this year in Kona so you know Brent McMahon's definitely a contender in Kona Tim O'Donnell is whether we see Marino there or not uh, who knows Tyler Butterfield's shown that he can do the business in Kona in terms of you know being up there in the top five whether any of these guys can actually win it don't know what happens to Marino's race season look obviously he's done Brazil what happens to his second half of the season if he's not going to do Kona well, he can go and earn some good money. You know, yeah. this we've got to remember. This is a championship race. Uh, so at this race, I, th- was it, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it was thirty thousand dollars for the win. And then he, if he wants to go to Kona, he doesn't have to do any more racing. He's no. qualified. Yeah. If you win, you're qualified. And it's a good time so, to be qualified, isn't it? You know, like you can actually kind of wisely plan your Kona. So um, I don't know. We'll see if we can get him on at some stage and see what his plans are. But he was. Pretty adamant that he wasn't going back. And I think if you have one meltdown and you say that, but if you have multiple meltdowns, and if you're someone like Crowe, maybe you know the financial decision to go there outweighs if there's not that massive, massive desire because you know Crowe would make a fortune by just turning up and, and yep. doing the event and being pre-race, whereas Marino, different story. I don't think he'd have the same uh, pulling power in terms of income. Okay, we don't normally do 70.3s to a large extent, but John was in Kona this weekend, and he's still raving on about the beach. So tell us about the race, John. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it's just an interesting experience because this is the first race that I've been at that doesn't have a pro field uh, and really made no difference to me as a spectator and I don't think it made any difference to the athlete experience. I mean, it's always kind of cool to see the odd pro walking around, but in terms of the event, very minimal difference. So we had a guy called Frederic Limousin from France take it out in four... 24 for a couple of he was had a victory by a couple of minutes and then on the girls side of things we had uh, come on I can't even sort by females now stupid website okay I think they, I think they were 34 hold on give me two seconds give me two seconds I'm not pausing John I'm going to I'm going to pull up myself well, Tim McClure did pretty well he did do very well he got seventh yep, overall. Tim- he got, and he got uh, first in his age group yeah well we had done some great we had some great results from our campers um, how's it going for you it's not going very well. You can't sort by female. I want to give you guys some love for you females, but you can't sort by females. You've got to go female age group. <sighs> you, oh, because there's no pros. Of course. Mm. Normally just sort by pros. Yeah. Oh. Frustrating. Frustrating. Oh, Again, yeah, I think, I think there we go. Here we she go. Must have been, she, she was in the 20, 25 to 29 age group. Christine Nichols from the States went 451. And we had Shannon from uh, Christchurch in oh, yeah. second place. Oh, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess my um, yeah, a bit more about the seventy point three. They made some. Uh, here, here goes my rant. He's, he's, I'm, he's got rant of the week written here, team, and I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. Slam my Gatorade down on the table, yeah. and here comes my rant. So I've got to say before I start, and I'll do one of these. This, 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 and then but. Yeah. But this I love really, you, but <laughs> it's a fantastic race. I'd highly recommend it to anybody. Cool bike course great swim and a really beautiful beach and a really unique run where you run up and down all over the golf course so in terms of a an event really well organized um 
in terms of the course, fantastic. They made, but they made quite a few changes this year. So this year they moved to much more wave starts and thought that was good. Yeah, so they had four, three, three male wave starts and two female wave starts. So it spread things in a lot less drafting. So tick, like that change. Okay. I love you. But uh, the change that I didn't like, and I'm just struggling to see any positives with this one. Normally you go to a big event, all the bike racks are numbered, and you go and find your spot. I've got to bear in mind with this course here, it's a split transition. So you, swim, you yeah, come out running. of a swim, you run in one end of the transition area, and you run out the far end, and then when you get to the next transition, it's a totally different setup. This year, they decided to change it and not have any numbering on the bike racks. So it was a free-for-all. You, could go, uh, you couldn't go wherever you want. As you turned up, you had to rack your bike wherever um, the next sort of space was available. Oh, so there's no system at all? There was, there was no like... One hundred yeah. to zero, nothing like that at all. No. So you walked in, and they were filling one row. When you walked in, they were going right. We're filling this row at the moment. You walk down to that person there, rack your bike, and you're done. I think they were doing it to try to keep it simple. So you walk into transition, you can just rack your bike. But don't think they thought it through because it was massively unfair for different. If you're racked in a different area and you're in the same age group, you're running up a hill. You got to run with your bike for a significantly more time. I would estimate that the difference between being at one end versus the other end um, would be in the region of 20 seconds you would gain by being at the very exit end of the transition. So you had some of the real smart smarty pants who were basically just hovering outside the transition yeah. area, and they would go in when they saw a road just about to fill up. They'd go in at the last second, and then they get their bike right on the end. It was a significant advantage. What and what about the factor of coming out of the water being, you know, like. We're all a little bit confused when we come out of the water finding yeah. our bike. Yeah, so you've got to, yeah, that's the other thing. Normally you go, you look up and you say, right, this row is zero to 500, yeah. right, that's my row. And then you've got to make your way down there. But this time you could remember which row you were in, but your bike could be, yeah. I Was just there any carnage with lots of confusion with that? Were lots of people looking not that slightly lost? <laughs> I think I, I didn't notice, but I, I was standing down by the swim. But I just couldn't see any advantages out of it. And what really got me is if I was in that race and I was racked at the opposite end, I would be fuming. Because, <laughs> well, especially if you lost by 20 seconds. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just couldn't see any upside to it. So there's my rant. Everything about the race is fantastic except for that, and it was a silly change. Yeah, well, it's kind of an odd thing to change. Like mm. if anything, it's maybe someone being lazy. You know, like I'm just not quite sure why you go – one thing we need to change this year because those it's numbers new, are doing our head in. It's a new race director, so I think maybe they were trying to stamp their mark on the race, That's but it right. was a dumb move. That's right. I'm taking away the boys from the swim as well. <laughs> Next year, no boys. Yeah. <laughs> Just swim out to that point there. Okay, yeah. we also uh, had some news, which is kind of big news, actually. There's 70.3 World Championships, which where are they now? Year. Uh, this year they are in Austria and the course they've got there is absolutely fantastic. So I've got to give them some love there. They've but, chosen a really, really good course. But is it next year at Salt Lake? Next year it's going to be back in North America, in yeah. America, and they've come up with, I think it's three places. It was Chattanooga, oh, okay. Lake Placid, and St. George. So those are the three finalists where the event will be held next year. Oh, one, is, uh, one, one piece of news, which is the, probably the big news that goes alongside this, is that they're having a two-day event. So on one day they'll have the men racing, and on the next day they'll have the female racing, which seems like a pretty great idea. It's got – it's yeah, I think there's, there's um, probably more benefits to negatives, I think. Probably the, the main things that will come out of this is it's going to mean significantly more 
qualification slots around the world. And and on one part of me says uh, we we're just watering this down a bit because any seventy point three that I've been to, uh, it becomes a bit Mickey Mouse with the allocating of the slots. Uh, I know in Auckland, for example, they they say, right, we've got first three spots, go to these P3 people, and then they basically just say, right, everybody else in that age group, you can come up the front and we'll just see, and pretty much almost anybody could get in or you know you yeah. so i think it's going to lower the standard down a bit in terms of how good you need to be to qualify for what is a world championship event but on the upside um you know we, we often talk about you know big races and big marathons and how cool they are and if we want to take our sport to the next level this is going to allow for a lot more people to be at the event which i think has some positives as well so i'm kind of neutral on this one i think it's got good things and things that maybe i'm a bit ho-hum about well, I think also as well is one thing we've seen is that on the seventy point three courses that are pancake flat, they just a massive draft fest. Yes, you yep. know that's another and, big and, and so, like you know, I'm not sure of the Austria course, but obviously it's a bit hilly because that's why you're liking it. So yeah, you know, like for that kind of course, that's it, not so much of an issue. But if we're thinking of like the old Florida course where we'd get you know a thousand photos sent through to us of you know basically cycle racing. Well, if you're splitting the race, that definitely divides it up, especially if they do wave starts as well. So yeah. that, that definitely eliminates, and it does make it a more real championship race, and I think that's a really important aspect of it. It is it is true. I, I totally agree with you. The World 7.3s isn't the golden ticket of the Kona champs, and mm. you know, it'll be interesting to see, will they ever be able to achieve that? You know, Will they ever be able to get to the point where, you know, actually you'd be gutted if you missed out on your slot you know mm. or how do mm. they achieve that's probably the question because right now there's too many slots they're actually not that appealing because they just kind of get run down and as you say anyone mm. can get them so you know the time will tell but i in some ways i actually think it's probably a good move yep i agree i think it's more positives than negatives and uh we'll see how it pans out but i think the main thing for me is they keep selecting courses yeah the one in austria looks really quite challenging um but as long as they keep selecting courses that are challenging enough to break things up and not pancake flat so i've got zero excitement for malula bar next year which is where the worlds are um next year in 2016 so this must be for 2017 actually not 2016 um and malula bar is just going to be a complete draft fest uh so not excited about that well one thing i do wonder is is an aspect of um Spectator experience. So, so really, are we going to see sexist pigs? I'm joking about sexist pigs here, but lots of people watching the men's race and lots of people, who, lots of men, basically buggering off the next day because they've had their race. You know, because one aspect of it is kind of cool because you know, for the pros, like the men's race, they're going to have all the female racers who are racing the next day. They'll go along watch that pro race. So, I imagine it'll be quite a cool day to actually, if you're racing the next day, to go along, have the experience, probably watch and learn a little bit watch that awesome race but then for a lot of people once they've done the race they don't care about what's happening after the fact so I wonder if the you know if we just think of the experience that the athletes will have as in support on the second day will that actually be a bit of a letdown in comparison to what happens in the first day Mm, I, I would love to be able to sit down and have uh, if, you, if you race on the first day it's a big advantage do that yeah. go out for, for a night on the town and then uh, just get up the next morning have a nice uh, fry up sit outside at a cafe somewhere and watch people run past it would be great yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens on that front okay Faris Al Sultan has officially retired mm, and he is uh, I don't around. think he probably gets enough credit that, um, he was 
bloody good. You know, he won Kona the year that I came into it in 2005, and you know we were here last year, and he's still competitive last year. Uh, and he's one of the nicest guys I think we've interviewed. Oh. Just always happy to have a chat and uh, and calls it as he sees it, and just but he was consistent. You know, his yeah, he won not only did he win Kona, he's won Frankfurt, won lots of other races, but his Kona consistency was great. You know, he's got lots of podiums, almost always in the top ten, and uh, just one of the most consistent athletes around. So, um, but he'd been battling with injuries for quite some time now, and just, uh, just goes, man, I've just had enough of this. You know, if I can't be racing at the top at my prime, then I've had enough. But he's been, he has been around for a long time and fantastic career. It really, really is a eh? like you know like so I was talking in some ways because he won it so early in his career didn't he like you know mm. like, you know well, he wasn't actually that young he was kind of but he got his Kona win out of the way and he would often talk to us far and I'm looking at his early bike that Cannondale just in the mm. link there geez that's old school isn't it um, mm. but early on in his career. He got it out of the way, and, and, and in some ways, it made his career so less pressure filled. You know, because mm. when we'd interview him, we would say, "You know, I've, I've won Makona, <laughs> you know, like I've, yeah. you know." And I'm sure he would have liked to win more, but he, he never really had that pressure of like a Ray Lert who was like, "Oh, is he going to win it?" And mm. uh, and but Farah, he, he, you know, in the last ten years, outside of you know, like your Crowy and and you know, maybe the guys who have won it a couple of times, he's probably been the most consistent performer at Kona, hasn't mm. he? Yeah, no, he is. He was always there or thereabouts. I think uh, he had that sort of building for those few years before he won it. I think he moved his way up the podium. Uh, and but yeah, and then, but then and then the last few years it has normally been sort of more fifth through tenth. But uh, always yeah, there. Great effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and as John says, one of the coolest guys to be really cool. Okay, John, your IT update. What happened in London? Yeah, I haven't actually. I've, I've got the results in front of me, but I haven't watched it or anything like that. But so a quick, quick wrap up this this week because it was only yesterday. Alistair Brownlee took it out, hometown race. A lot of the other big Kahuna's were not necessarily there. You didn't have. Uh, doesn't look like Gomez raced or um, Mola. So you had Brownlee take it out from Al Zara and uh, Vincent Louis in third place. And good to see Kiwi Tony Dodds uh, eighth place. Nice work. And girls, girls side things. American trifecta. Bloody hell, what's going on there? No surprise that Gwen Jorgensen won it, but uh, second place, Katie Zavaris and uh, Sarah True in third place. So, boom. It's really the Poms, it's really the Poms against America right now, isn't it? In, in ITU, Gills, America, Poms, UK. I mean, yeah. I yeah, well, the Spanish as well. Um, yeah, true. So, so, so those are your three, three big hitters, and then the rest are, are sort of scrapping for what's left over. These sprint races must just be continuous sprint finishes. Because I'm looking, oh, yeah. you know, like obviously the, the two winners kind of took it out, but second and third, you had a sprint in the girls. Then from like fifth down, it's one second, one second, one second, one second, everyone's just sprinting to well, the line. Well, sixth through to tenth is two seconds. Yeah, yeah. that must have been a serious yeah. sprint. Oh, no. And then the girls is like five seconds between like the, you know, between fifth through to bloody twelfth or something like that. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Good, exciting stuff. Okay, what's coming up, Jonbo? What's coming up? What's coming up? There's not much coming up to be honest. Bevan, no, very little Ironman distance racing. No WTC races this week, uh, but we have got one coming up in Germany. The Walsestad Triathlon. Oh, oh Walsestad! I love that one. It's on the hit list. It's on the hit list. Okay, John, let's do a sponsor. Sponsor. Athlinks.com. Coaches, take note. 
Oh. You should get on it. Make sure you get on Athlinks and get all your athletes on there as well, because it is the easiest way to to track what your athletes have done over the weekend and what they've done in the past. So, for me, from a coaching point of view, I had a few athletes racing seventy point threes at the weekend and thought, bloody hell, those look like good results, and they were. And I had one girl winning her age group in uh, rally seventy point three. I was looking at the times, going, man. I think those are really good times. Just pop onto Athlinks, you go back, and you can just see their history at that event. Or if you forget, that person maybe did that race one year or they did it three years ago. I had another guy who did a race yesterday, but he didn't do it last year, but did it the year before. But I can't remember all that stuff. So I just go on Athlinks, click on his um, you know, half iron distance race um, list, and it just brings up all the half distance races he's done. You can quickly check and go, yep, he was 10 minutes quicker on the bike, five minutes quicker on the run. Good result. So coaches, get your athletes on there, and it's just an easy way for you guys to get on there, see how your athletes are doing, and uh, check on their history if your memory is not photographic, like yeah. me. There we go. Although apparently yours is based on age groupers of the week. Wow. So, you know, so you have your moments. Mm, I'll, I'll give you that much. Okay, guys. Age grouper of the week. Of the week. Okay, hang well, on. on. Oh. More, more feedback for you, Bevan. Um, Fast oh. Eddie, who I'm going to have on the show probably later on. We need more. We need better music and more of it, Bevan. He says, Bevan's slack on the music. He said, the new stuff crap. Get some new music. You're falling behind in the world of podcasting. Well, the problem is, it's more. you know what? I probably can come up with a better solution to that because what I use right now is GarageBand. Is the, most podcasters use GarageBand if they're on a Mac to record the shows. And they have. They used to have the jingles, which we used a lot of. And in the new version, they've more gone to samples that musicians can use. So that's why it's kind of all techno crap. And... Um, so, but I have got these jingles I've I've bought as a package once. So I might I might I'll see what I can do, Fasidi. I'll see what I can do. Okay? <laughs> Not happening today because when we do the Skype shows, I, I can't be bothered. But but hey, that's a challenge. When I get back from holiday, I'll get some good music for Fasidi. Okay, Eddie, make sure you send through an email if he doesn't do it. Yeah, Eddie, keep me on my toes. Okay, this is from Bet Summer, and it's got. Uh, hey guys, just wanted to let you know about an amazing performance from an old training buddy of mine, Jessica Richards, in Ironman Oz Port Macquarie on the weekend. She was fifth female overall and first female age grouper with a super quick bike of five eleven. Uh, time of 10.04 off to Kona she is such a humble person and is one of the nice guys of the sport who deserves all the rewards there are P.S. you gave me the nickname Rainbow Man after I wore all pink in an indoor Ironman last year there we go you nice oh, yeah. I'm getting really frustrated WTC if you're listening I'm getting really frustrated with your website that you can't sort by woman I want to see where, where age group women finish alongside the pro woman you can't do it you can't sort by just female oh, frustrating that is a bit silly isn't it and now I can't even find the flipping right results. Oh, come on. How hard can it be? Okay, what age group would you reckon she is? You take I'm going to say 25 to 29. She sounds young, John. She sounds okay. young. She got, has she got, she's not going to be in the 80 year old age group. No, she's not. Okay, no. so she, I reckon she might be in 30 to 34. She sounds youngish, John. Youngish. Okay, you keep, you keep guessing because yes. now I've got it in front of me. Yes, you she are. is. 30 to 34. Yep. She swam a 103. Got her butt kicked a little bit there by some of the people in front of her. They're all into, into the yeah, low to mid fifties. Jennifer Zanker got fifty minutes. Nice. And then one thing I've got to say also about the Kona seventy point three at the weekend. We had a girl checked all the boys in the swim. Fastest swim split was by a female. Nice. 
so anyway, Jessica swam 103, had 3 minutes 36 in T1, 5.11 on the bike, smoking it. That was the fastest bike split. And then 3.21. Jessica, pick up your game and your transitions. The pros are just cleaning you out. They may have had a different area, though. Uh, and then 3.42, as we heard before, 10.04.01, first age grouper by... 14 seconds. Oh, really? Wow. And she was hanging on. The girl was coming up on her. She ran 3.42, and the girl behind her ran 3.33. Coming up on her, it's pressure-full finish. Wow, well done. So, Jessica, you're a rock star, and apparently you're a really nice person. Good stuff. You know, just, you know, oh, Brett says you're a good girl. Good chick, you are. Good chick. Jessica Richards, you are our... Age grouper of the age week. Age grouper of the week. John, I've got a question for you. Yes. Um... Kona 70.3 last weekend. Mm-hmm. In regards to they didn't have pros there, did they still make a big thing about the winner? You know, like, was it still like they were, were they treated almost like a pro and at the award ceremony did they get to do a speech and all that kind of stuff? Pretty much. I wasn't at the finish when they came down and it was, you know, the, the guy that won was certainly first across the line um, who won, I believe. So oh, he probably the waist got some. Well. Yeah. And the same with the girls. They the first girl was first girl across the line was that was the winner. Um, but at the prize giving, they did uh, yeah they did take them both up and they had the, they do the sort of Hawaiian performance for them. So yes, they didn't get to do a speech, but they did get them up there and recognise them as the overall race winners. Um, one thing I would say what was with the, the event this year without the Kona slots. You know, previously at this event it did have Kona slots. The the strength of the field was significantly down. Um, I think. Um, um, because past years, 30 Kona slots, you got a lot of the good guys coming to try to get an easy slot um, yeah. via the 70.3. And also, because there was no, I think this is the reason, there was no Kona roll down or anything like that, um, the number of people at prize giving was there wasn't a lot of people there. It was mainly the people that were getting prizes and their supporters um, and not many other people. Because so wait, is this was, the award ceremony, like the post, like the dinner? Yeah. Or do they, do the uh, they, they just do it. They do it at the after race. They do it at four o'clock in the afternoon. So it's just like your kind of triple typical race. So they don't have big feet yeah. or anything. No, no. Okay. So yeah, that was just a couple of observations. Okay, Jumbo, uh, you're going to do some interviews. Apparently they're amazing. I am. Yeah, you got they are life changing. Yep, I managed to catch a quick chat with Grant, who is a is a long time listener of the show. And Apparently he, he loves actually- my speed. He goes, "Oh, can even speak faster." I'm like, Grant, yeah. th- there is a limit. Yeah, uh, Eddie, I haven't done him yet, but I'll be doing him later on. Annette Lee, oh, yeah. who My best friend. was yeah, your best friend. And then I'll just be doing a few other random bits and pieces here and there. But just a little rundown on the camp, how we how we roll over here in Kona. One change we made this year was on day one, we did the Energy Lab run. So we drove all the crew down to into the Energy Lab to the run turn, and then they ran back into town and that was one hell of a way to start the camp because you're not acclimatised very much at all we did it uh, mid-afternoon it was a stinking hot day and man there was <laughs> people suffering out there it was great and then we had a little swim so that was day one it was only really a half day just afternoon run then swim then dinner Day two, we biked the Ironman course, and we do the guys. Are, this year, I was basically doing support, not riding, and we're going along down the Queen K, and there's no wind, and I'm going, oh, this sucks. I want some wind for these guys. I want the, the, the full experience. Got down to Kauai High, which is the end of the Queen K. There's still no wind. They're just motoring along. Everybody's pretty comfortable, and they start the climb to Harvey, and thankfully, about a third of the way up the climb up to Harvey, the wind just all of a sudden appeared, and uh, it wasn't horrendous, but it was – 
it was it was pretty windy enough to sort of blow you across the road a bit and, and know you and know what it's all about. So Get that was all good. Uh, Mm. So they had the Ironman bike on day two, plus a little run off the bike. Day three, we had a, a nice easy 7K run on Lee Drive, and then I took them out on a new bike course that I found, and it was basically uh, two hill climbs, and we found out some uh, we f- found some breaking points, which was great. What do you mean? Is it just like people break? Uh, they had a lot of people had to walk their bikes up the hill. Oh, really? <laughs> Almost three quarters of the camp. I thought I, I went and rode it uh, the day that I got here, and Phil and I rode it um, when we came over in October. And I thought this is going to be really challenging. It was very, very steep. And when I rode it earlier in the week, I thought, "Yep, <laughs> I don't know how many people are going to get up here." Uh, it was. It's got pitches of around about twenty percent, I think. Uh, and when you're on a TT bike, that's pretty difficult. So uh, a lot of people were walking. We sent people off in waves, so the slowest people went first, and the the fastest group went third. And I was riding that day. And as we got to the the, the climb, and we turned left to go up it, we already within about ten seconds we saw the first person walking. And the further we got up to the climb, the one part where it was just like a wall. There was just in front of us, just a line of people walking up. It was brilliant. I love it when I find people's breaking point. So uh, that was a real challenge. You're an evil man, Newsom. You're an evil man. And then, and then we dropped down into an area called Captain Cook's, and we swam across to Captain Cook's monument, where apparently he was killed. Oh, so it really? was basically swimming across the bay, one and a half k to two. That was about a mile across, and then a mile back across. So a good long open water swim, which was fantastic. And then we had a King of the Mountains race on the way back up the climb, and uh, that was day three. And then day four is always our epic, epic day where we bike from. Kona to Hilo, which is uh, 200 kilometres with over two and a half thousand metres of climbing, which if that doesn't mean much to you, uh, it's a lot. And <laughs> I, know, I love your descriptive words, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean much, it's a lot. Yeah, so the, the final part of the day or this, uh, before we get to Volcano is around about a 30 or 30 to 35 kilometre climb um, where it's not steep, but you're basically climbing 30, 35 kilometres at sort of ranging between 2 and probably about 7 or 8%. Uh, it's a long way to get to the top and you get up to, I think it's around about 12, 1300 metres elevation and then we have a run at Volcano and then bike down to Hilo. Day five, we... Um, do a 5k guess your time and Susie Susie Thomas from Tennessee Tennessee. took that out and she got within a handful of seconds of her time which was good to see and then we biked the Ultraman uh, tack on which is one of the most scenic rides you ever do anywhere and then day six we bike from Hilo over to the Manalani where this year was pretty bloody miserable last year spectacular just this amazing views you have all the different climates you start in Hilo which is a tropical climate and you're going through all these beautiful rainforests over these great bridges and you just view views out the sea waves crashing in and then you get a bit further in you come through these pastures and farmland and then you come over the top of the climb and then you drop down into the sort of lava fields of the Queen K so a really cool ride but for the first uh, two to three hours of that ride it was mist and rain and you could see about 20 metres in front of you so not the best day then we rest up one day on the Friday and then we have the 70.3 on Saturday and as every year where I have uh, athletes coming along to the camp and they say oh my coach is a bit worried about me doing this camp and asked me to pull back a little bit and I said don't listen to your coach just pretend you're Garmin 
just pretend your Garmin broke and you don't upload your files to Training Peaks. And because they're always coaches are worried, they think, how the hell can you do a race at the end of this week? And the athletes think this as well. How can you do a 70.3 after doing a ridiculous volume that we do this week? And but everybody, you know. Almost everybody, again, had really solid days at the office. We had, as you said, um, Tim McClurg from Christchurch. He won the 40 to 44 age group. We had another age group uh, winner. We had a second place in our age group. We had a third place in our age group and lots of other very, very good results. So you can do this stuff. Yes, you're not 100% super sharp, but the training, the fitness you gain from the training and also the heat acclimatization out, out, um, out trumps everything else you do. So, yeah, well, the guys are always surprised they can get through to that point and still race really well. Jumbo, I'm, I'm looking at your Epic Camp mm. photos, and, is, and, and, and this is just praise to you for being true to yourself because there's yep. a photo of you all on the beach, and, and all the men, I think they must shave their chest, John. I think, you know, yeah. or, or there's a bit of waxing happening for the men here because if I look at all the men in this photo right here of me, there's not a hair on their body, John. And Newsom, yeah. he's, he's keeping it old school. You're, you, you could be a 70s porn star. There's no denying it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You, you, are, you are providing for all the other men <laughs> combined. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, uh, I've had a few comments on that one. That's going to be this and, week's photo on the website. One. Yeah, someone who Lee, Chris Lee's got. I just love the rug with the rug, John Newsom, and it, you haven't changed it since the nineties. Old school. Love your work. Well, and Leezy is one of the few people that has actually seen me rugless because he was one of my teammates in France. Yeah, and uh, he he was there when the when the the chest got waxed. <laughs> that, was a, that was a once in a lifetime experience, wasn't it? It was. And <laughs> when did you start getting chest hair? Because I'm 37, I'm just starting now. So, so when did you start? <laughs> I, was a, yeah, I was an early bloomer. Did you get facial hair? Because like, again, I'm like, just testosterone, I don't have a lot of it. And so, I, uh, like, seriously, I, I, I really don't have any body hair on my body at all. And, uh, and I don't shave, it's just I don't have it. And uh, like, I remember, you know, shaving as a young man, I was like 22 before I even had to shave, like weekly. So, how old were you when you first started to shave? Ah, oh, mid teens, I think. Wow. Early mid teens. I heard it was yeah. eight. Got to say, I met, uh, met Tim Martindale. He was out there racing in Kona 70.3 in the I Am Talk gear. So we oh, love nice. it. If you, guys are out there, if you guys are out there racing in the I Am Talk gear, um, make sure you flick through some photos and we will put them up on either Facebook or on our website. And also, uh, Michael Rowe decided to stop on the run course and have a chat to me when I was standing under the tree taking photos and uh, video of people. He came and introduced himself, shook my hand, and said he was having a pretty rough day and just wanted to have a chat. And I'm like, get, get, like, get the hell out. Out of here, You're supposed to be racing, so it was good to see. If he was one of your athletes, he would have got told off, eh? He would have got a spanking, he wouldn't have got told off. Okay, let's get these interviews. So, we've got, we've got a few interviews from Epic Camp, guys. Let's get it done and we'll be back real soon. Okay, first of our Epic Camp interviewees is uh, we're doing this post race, so it's Sunday after our week long camp and after the Kona 70.3. And our first guest followed a camp we did in was it 2010. 2010. 2010, we did Length of New Zealand camp, which was one of our more arduous camps. It was a 15, 14, 15 day camp going from the top of the North Island of New Zealand all the way down to the bottom. And we had a TV crew following us and made a documentary about that called Going Long, Going Hard. And part of that was Annette Lee, who did the, was basically the production manager, I think, if that, is that right? Production? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And she got to see the other side, you know, of, of how. 
we as a group reacted under those circumstances, the fatigue we went, how we sort of changed um, going through the camp. Um, this time she was part of the mix, so we're going to find out the differences on what it looks like from the outside versus what it's like on the inside. So maybe first, Annette, though, tell us a bit about yourself so people can get a feel, you know, in terms of your speed, um, how long you've been involved in the sport, so they can get a bit of a feel for your level of athleticism. Um, I'm a late developer. I was in my mid-40s when I did my first Ironman. It was a one and done. Um, John Newsom coached me and I think he thought, yeah, I'll see her once and that's it. And that's almost 10 years ago. And since then I've done 13 Ironman and I've just uh, got a legacy slot. So I'll be at the Ironman World Championships in October. I'm not, I'm not fast. I never will be. I'm just not that kind of person. But um, I've got steadily faster, I think, and better. Um, my main thing has been confidence. You know, it's uh, the athletic side, the physical side, you can always improve on. But the mental side is tough for me. So the camp certainly was a challenge. So what, what did you, what were your thoughts, no, maybe, maybe first, what, what did you observe when you came and followed the Epic Camp in terms of, that was the, the full Monty and the guys are pretty, pretty hardcore athletes, so what did you sort of observe and see you know, when, when you followed that camp? Um, I think, I think and all of us, the whole team were, were impressed with the dedication and the fact that they were able to get up every day and, and do whatever it was. I mean, I think there was a guy called Eric who used to say, we just get up and ride, get up and ride. And we've often mentioned that when we've been talking about other things. But just seeing them every day doing, you know, massive amounts of riding and swimming and running, you just thought, actually, you know, and they're normal. You know, they're normal people. Norm- normal-ish. Well, yeah, yeah, as normal as I might get. But... Um, and we also saw all the personalities and the, and, uh, the things that went on behind the scenes, you know, because we were the eyes and ears. So we, we saw the emotions, we saw the personality clashes, we saw people gelling. So it wasn't just the sport, it was, it was us human beings being stuck together under pressure for two weeks. Um, and I think that's what was fascinating about it. So what were you thinking when you came into this camp? You, you know, I think in an email you said you were crapping yourself a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, n- knowing that this, we don't have the points and stuff here, but whilst we call this camp a light camp, it's, um, it's pretty much the same as what we do on Epic Camp normally, except there's perhaps not the same level of intensity um, with, with King and Mountains and things like that. So what were you thinking about coming into the camp? Um. I think you'd said I was probably going to be one of the slowest and and I always assume I'm going to be the slowest anyway so I you know at least I had that to fall back on but I was I was absolutely petrified yeah. you know and I was it was it was like going to the dentist it was looming and looming and looming everybody's going are you excited are you excited <laughs> not really no no um but when I got here I, I mean, and, and anybody thinking about going on one of your camps, you know, you just don't have to think about anything. That was something we heard when we did going long, going hard, that, oh, we don't have to think about anything. And you really don't. All you have to do is swim, bike, run, eat, sleep. And everything is just done for you. So within a matter of hours, you kind of like, oh, all I have to do is put my bike together and be at point A on time. Otherwise, John shouts at you. Um, and 
within a day, all those fears are gone. It was like, well, okay, I'm at the back. Or I have to go early because I'm one of the slow ones. And it didn't bother me. And gradually over the week, I was like, okay, those guys go fast. Let them go. But then I was like, hmm, I'm actually in the middle now. I mean, on the last day when we came here, I rode pretty much solo from Hilo over to Waikoloa. And it didn't bother me at all. Not one bit. I was just like, yeah, I'm cool with this. And the weather was bad. Quite dangerous, really. Um, but I was just like, no, just keep going. It was, it, was, it was a great feeling. I felt really good when I got here. Um, what did you think on the first day when, this year we opened up the camp um, half a day earlier and we ran from the energy lab back into town and it was a stinking hot day and <laughs> nobody had really acclimatised so uh, I know you were getting pretty hot on that day, what were you thinking after that first run? Well I'd done the run back in October when I was here and it was so much easier, I, I don't know why but it, maybe it was the pressure but about six, I think we all went off too fast, I think the that was the other thing. We were all excited by then. You know, we'd, we'd spent a day getting to know each other, so we were just desperate to get on with it. So everybody went like a bull in a china shop. So I got about 6K through, and I'm thinking, shit, I'm hot. You know, and, the, and, and there's nothing out there. You know, there's no ice, there's no support, which I know there will be on race day. And so you kind of reel yourself in and slow yourself down and then pick, pick up. And then you fi- start finding people that are like you. And... I find myself gelling with, you know, about half a dozen people every now and then. And that also adds to building your confidence because you go, okay, well, you know, I'm running along here. I know Grant's just in front of me and then he'll slow down a bit and I'll catch up. So, yeah, it it was a good way to start because it was hard. It was hot. It's notoriously the thing that people are frightened of. But uh, by the time we got back, Everybody's like, oh, well, yeah, okay, it's hot here, we're in Hawaii. So what, what were the biggest challenges for you going through? You know, you, obviously you had the fear coming in, but in terms of the, the training days and stuff, what was the, the toughest day for you? That hill on, the, on day three. I don't think you've done that one before, have you? No, on Epicamp? No. No. <laughs> I mean, I got up uh, probably two-thirds of the way up the first bit and I thought god this is hard and, I, and I'd got the shakes and, and I was I was thinking I don't want to stop don't want to stop don't want to stop and I was just going slower and slower and slower and I'm shaking I thought shit I've got to stop got to get out of my cleats otherwise I'm just going to go over and I went around the corner and then I saw the fast girls you know and I thought they're getting off their bikes they're getting off their bikes the next hill must and I looked up and it literally was straight up to the ceiling and I'm like oh that's why they're getting off their bikes. That's a bugger of a hill. So if you're wondering about that hill, it was a new one that I found uh, when I was here in October, and Phil and Ava and I went and rode it. You ride all the way down, and you drive to Kehoe, you come up to the first set of traffic lights at the, um, the shopping centre, you turn right, which I think means it actually stays on Lee Drive, and you keep going all the way along to the end of that road, and then you hang a left, and uh, and it's a fantastic climb. It just kicks, and then it flattens off, so you've got a little recovery. And when I say it kicks, it goes up probably around, I think it's probably getting up to about 20%, and, um, and which is doable on a on a road bike or if you've got um, compacts or stuff like that. But all the guys on the camp are on you know, TT bikes with um, you know, not sort of hill climbing gears, so... Some people suffered, and uh, I'd say 75% of the people walked up. I think there was only maybe five that got up all the way. 
but it was a good uh, a good epic challenge, and it was good to see people getting to their breaking points. Um, maybe talk us through your um, your experiences in the race, because uh, at the end of the camp we have seventy point three, and all the people on the camp are usually going wondering what the hell are they going to, how the hell are they going to be able to cope with a race at the end of the camp? And a number of the people on this camp, in particular, had coaches who were saying you can't be doing all this volume and expect to race and telling them to do less and I'm just saying don't listen to your coaches just uh, do it all and you'll be absolutely fine so how, how did you feel going into the race and how did the race go? Well I think I said to you the day before a stupid question but I feel pretty good should I feel that way you know when you when you feel confident about something invariably it goes wrong and you said no 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 that's fine that's fine and race, I mean, I didn't sleep, like I don't sleep the night before a race, but I'd had also had the swim session with Carolyn. Mm-hmm. So I was going to try my new swim stroke, which was, I know you're not meant to try anything new on race day, but I thought, no, let's give it a go. Let's see what happens. So I couldn't wait to get in and to do that. And I just, I just felt great. I didn't feel tired. I didn't particularly feel as nervous. I was, you know. And um, the swim, you'd... you'd talked us through it because we had that outgoing tide and I managed to keep you know from being pulled out probably a little bit too much but I knew the swim was faster than I'd done five years ago when I came here to do this race Um, and even came out with came out a second faster than Judy who won the age group I looked on there so I was like yes okay I came 10th she came first but that's a real boost you know if I have a good swim I always feel good about getting on the bike and it's a hard bike start because you've got that hill quite a steep hill and they give you a bit of a push but I seem to remember that the first turnaround took for ages last time this time we were there same with going up to Harvey because we'd already ridden the course the previous Saturday I thought oh it's going to take for ages and before we knew where we were we were at the turnaround so I thought something's going to go wrong in a bit Something I'm gonna I'm gonna crash and burn, you know, after a whole week of training, but I didn't. And then often when I get off the bike, you know, the old lead legs, nothing, just felt great. And and I'm a bit of a run walker, but I even right to the very end, you know, I was like, no, come on, dig deep. You feel good. You've done all this training. Look, look what you've great race. I'm, I only knocked a minute or so off, but with all that training in in my legs and the race I was I I couldn't recommend it more I wish I'd done it years ago (laughs) listen to your coach um and what what are your feelings towards Hawaii you know um you've got through the legacy slot um and you know going to the race for you are you looking at it as a sort of cherry on the top of you know um doing 39 mans or you know how is your feelings towards that race um, yeah, it's cherry on the top. I mean, I I once said to a friend of mine, um, when I first came here in 2009 and saw the race, I went back home and I said, oh, I'd love to do that race. Mm-hmm. And she turned around and she said, oh, the numbers just don't stack up for you, Annette. <laughs> and I don't think she meant it really cruelly, but, and she was right. But then when they bought the legacy out, I, th- I thought, I could do that. Mm-hmm. I could do that. And I, I did set... I think I did six Ironman in like 16 months, which was a bit nuts. And by the time the sixth one was over, I was like, you can sell my bike. So when I got, well, 
the the whole getting the legacy thing somebody told me you get an email at like two or three in the morning because I live in Brisbane and so I couldn't sleep and I was up and I said no email no email and then you sent me an email just someone's going to Kona and then I was excited I was really excited and I still can't quite believe it so when I when I come I read my number one priority is to enjoy it you know when those down moments and there will be because I'm sure you'll have lots of advice and, and um, Charlesy was giving me advice about you know wearing the white bolero top and getting long sleeves and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure all that stuff will be really good and I will have those down moments but I, I need to remember it's 10 years of hard work. It's 13, well 14 because I've got to do Cairns in two weeks time. If you don't bloody enjoy it, I think Alan will give me a big slap because <laughs> it's cost a lot of money to get here and he's been amazingly patient about it all. He's a, he's a fantastic support, and I don't think you can do it without that support. So if I don't enjoy it, he'll give me a big slap. Um, what was I just about to ask? Uh, oh, just on the technology front, you've recently got a power meter, and we, we recently had a question on, um, on the show around you know, power meters for people in your sort of um, you know, level of... Um, speed and stuff often feel scared about power and I think your first, your first step was getting a, a Garmin 910 and you really seem to enjoy that and then now you've got the power meter and it's still very early days, you only had it for a couple of months I'd say. Um, maybe for people who are in your similar sort of position, what have your experiences been like and it seems to have you know, revitalised your training a little bit? I hate to say it, you were right. <laughs> I probably should have got one a while ago it it ha- it, it is I'm, i am a, a technophobe I, I don't i don't do figures i don't do numbers i i don't really understand it i keep reading and trying to understand it but since i got it um yeah you're right it's revitalized training because i go out now and if you've set me a program I don't worry. I used to worry about not meeting expectations. So if you'd say do this and I didn't do it, I'd be like, oh. Now I just go, well, this is what it is, and um, I, at least I know what it is. Whereas I think I was being a bit of a coward before and sticking my head in the sand. Now I know what it is, and then it's why is it what it is, and can we change what it is? How do we get there? So I mean, in the past, it's cost has been the main thing but now I mean I think I only paid 800 Aussie dollars for the stages and I don't need it to be super accurate as long as you can see what I'm doing and I have gradual understanding of what I need to do yeah you were right I should have got one ages ago just got to see if we can get our files from yesterday's race <laughs> we, we tried to do a set the uh, auto Auto multi sport, but I think it's all there. We'll get through. Nice work, Annette. It was great having you here and uh, seeing you chug through every day and uh, not be intimidated. And you certainly weren't last on, uh, I don't think you were last on any of the days, and you certainly were moving your way through the pack. So nice work. No, it's uh, anybody thinking about it, don't think twice. And value for money, I just, I've never eaten so much good food. And, and every, everywhere we've stayed has been, I mean, Manalani is just beautiful. But, um, yeah, you know, I don't know whether you make any money at all because it's you just don't have to think about anything. It's just fantastic. And I've had problems with my bike and Mark's been amazing. You know, he's, he's fixed it as we've been going along. And then he spent time on it the night before the race. Massage, just, yeah. 
There's your plug. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Thank you very much. We'll get the next guy up next. Interviewee number two coming up. And if Bevan doesn't uh, edit this, Bevan's an idiot. Um, anyway, next up we've got Grant. For our Kiwi listeners, we'd normally say Grant. But it's Grant. Been saying that all week. Uh, long time listener, first time uh, talker. So Grant, tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, and uh, your vital statistics. Long time listener, like John said, since about 2007. Um, lived all over the world. Right now I live in Virginia, USA. Oh, vital statistics. I'm 61. Uh, I was not last in my age group yesterday, no matter what <laughs> people might think. <laughs> That's enough. And um, what uh, gave you the motivation to want to come and do this? Oh, I've been hearing about Epic Camp for years. And uh, when I heard the, the, the ad for uh, Epic Light, I thought, oh, maybe I'll be lucky enough to get in. And John took pity on me and let me in. <laughs> and so what were your expectations coming in in terms of, you know, you've been, uh, you've been at this for quite a while. Um, what were your expectations in terms of how hard it was going to be? And then, I guess, uh, did it meet those expectations easier, harder? Well, I knew it was going to be hard, and I expected it to be you know, pretty full-on because I've done quite a few triathlon camps for. But I've never ridden uh, close to 700K in the week before a half Ironman. So in that sense, it was harder than I expected, but it's all right. It was good. Not a problem. What was your, what was your highlights for you? Uh, i tell you what, the back 40, uh, when we were down there um, on the southeast corner of uh, the island uh, past Hilo, when we were in the jungle and going down the coast, oh, it, was, it was magic. Absolute gold back there. Yep. So that, that's basically the um, Ultraman course. So if you're, ever, if you're over here and you want to do that, it's uh, one of those rides that may or may not be around for much longer because uh, that is where the volcano was uh, erupting and uh, it's getting pretty close to coming across the road. Cancel do it. It's called uh, Red Road and you go up from Hilo and you drop down and do a little triangle and it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty epic. And uh, in terms of the weather this year, it wasn't very nice getting there and coming back, but thankfully when you're going along the coast it was, um, it was pretty good. So uh, how's, the, how's the body feeling after all this? Oh, body feels pretty good. The, the sunburn uh, will remind me of this, uh, this camp for a few days, but otherwise, yeah, no, I feel great. Yeah. Um, and you did a little bit of coaching as well? Yeah, I do some cross-country coaching at uh, Langley High School in Northern Virginia. Shout out to anybody who might be listening there. And um, yeah, I picked up some good running tips from John and uh, some good swimming, t- swimming tips from Dave as well. Um, and who do you want to give any crap around the world? Because you, you said you've lived in a lot of places and uh, maybe encourage a few people around the world. You brought one of your buddies, John, here on the camp this year. Uh, anybody else you want to say, get their A into G and get on this camp? Oh, let me think. Jeez, uh, love to get the monkeys out of Canberra to come to the camp. They'd be pretty good. And uh, get Udo and Danielle out of Germany to come. They, they'd have a ball too. Yeah. Absolutely. And what's the plan for the rest of the year? Uh, I've got a, an Olympic in two weeks, and then I've got a couple of races in uh, September and October. Although, given yesterday's stellar performance on my part, I'm, <laughs> I almost have to wonder, do I want to do another half this year or not? We'll see. I could always get sucked into a full if it, everything goes amazing. <laughs> uh, Grant got the uh, the booby prize. We have an estimate your time for the 70.3. We did swim, bike, run, T1, T2, and he took the booby prize for being the, the furthest from his prediction. But it was good to see you cranking it out there every day and uh, steady Eddie and always with a smile on your face and uh, always keeping people company. So good stuff. And next time, you, of course, you've got to bring Bevan along just for good humour. 
Okay. Come on, I've got, I've got I'm, not, I'm the humor in the show. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, don't you remember Laurel and Hardy and Abbott and Costello? You know, <laughs> Bevan's, Bevan's definitely the humor in this show, and you're the straight man, Josh. Awesome, thanks for your time. Outnumbered the males, uh, which is probably an epic camp first, and a returnee from last year, Sue Benza. Tell us where you're from and uh, maybe a little bit about yourself so people know yeah, the, the spread of athletes we've got on this camp. Alrighty, well, I am coming back again, so that means a lot for Epic Camp. It is an, <laughs> an Epic Camp. I love it so much. Challenging. I am a family doctor, the camp doctor, and it's not being invited back because <laughs> if uh, you want a day off, you just come and see me, and I just, you know, rest is good. Right? Recovery is very good. Um, Athlete-wise? What was the difference maybe this year for you? You know, you came last year. Last year was a bit hotter. It was um, it was really challenging. This year had its challenges as well in terms of some crappier weather. But, you know, obviously outside of what, what was the benefits you seemed to get out of the camp last year? Last year? Um, just a, f- a fabulous experience about digging deep with endurance and just staying the course and knowing that my body can do 800 kilometers in a week and then still race a half Ironman. Um, Same this year, uh, yeah, even more challenging weather-wise with the kilometers on the bike. Um, But I learned so much in all aspects of my sport. I learned so much with the swim from John and his coaching. I learned a lot more about climbing hills with the gang with my teams that I was riding with and the run coaching was fabulous as far as you know watching different people run and learning so much from that and to be able to incorporate that into my race plan for yesterday and I just I had a fabulous race and lots of fun and really bad sunburn but other than that it's good. <laughs> and this year we changed had an addition to the camp with a, a nice hill climb um, were you pleased with that addition and really tested people to the limit? If I had put my flip-flops in my back pocket, I would have been even happier, but it was really fun walking my bike up that hill climb. <laughs> yeah, not many of us. Uh, we, did the, we did a lot of good hills. Uh, the last one I saw others walking, and I walked, but next time I'm going to ride it. Awesome. These guys got to get on a flight, so thanks for coming back, Sue, and uh, it was great having you here as always. No doctor certificates next year. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. <laughs> awesome, thank you. No, uh, we have one, one one question we didn't ask Grant, and we're going to do that now. Wax or shave? Oh, shave, mate. <laughs> oh, these guys have done not experienced waxing. They don't know what they're missing out on. <laughs> okay, we have one of our return camp campers from last year. Eddie Farrell from eddieferrell.com have brought along a whole bunch of uh, Tennessee girls this year on the camp which were fantastic troopers so welcome back Eddie and what I'd like you to do is maybe remind people a bit about your story because uh, we had a lot of emails in fascinated by your sort of background so maybe remind people where you've come from. Uh, Thanks John Uh, well I guess you're talking about you know all my weight loss and I started out at 370 pounds when I first started doing this and uh I'm also, uh, I was on a whole lot of other stuff. Um, When I first started training, my race nutrition in the morning was some cocaine and vodka um, to get me rolling. So I've come a long way. That's no longer my nutrition plan. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, it's it's become a good lifestyle this way. 
Um, so what, what, I mean, I know you enjoyed yourself last year, but what was it that really made you decide that you want to come back? You know, just the amount of fitness that I could gain in one week was amazing to me. And the, the people that were around me to support me. And even though last year I struggled a lot, um, it was an amazing thing to just grow the community of people that supported me and also see the things that I could do. And I just wanted to see where I could go in a year and compare it. So I definitely had to come back to do it. And 45 minutes quicker on the Hilo ride. Yeah, that was a good good day. Every every day was better. Every single event we did this week, this year, uh, this year compared to last year, I did better, felt better. That was the most amazing thing is how much better I felt every day. Um, some days wasn't that huge of a difference, but every day I felt a ton better. So I was pretty excited. Um, it's a bit of I follow you some of your stuff that you put on Facebook. You're a, you're a Facebooker big time, um, and it seems like it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster for you. And and I know I put a lot of people probably resonate with me. That's totally resonate with that. It's very different to the way I operate. You know, I'm sort of very much straight up and down, and and um, and got a totally different background to you guys. So, what what is it like for you? You know, on a, a daily basis, of sort of uh, battling some of the demons that you go have to battle. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that I like about this this sport and doing doing triathlon and and being around the healthy people is is uh, stay, trying to stay on a good roller coaster or, or staying up instead of down. And um, when I do have the down days, which it's easy for someone that isn't uh, naturally athletic and naturally fast um, to get behind or, or feel behind or feel bad at times when they compare themselves to someone that they shouldn't be. Like I shouldn't compare myself to anyone but myself. And it's easy to uh, to get down, and it's also easy to let life get in the way and and feel like you're missing training and you're missing or you're not hitting the goals that you've got for yourself. And uh, yeah, it definitely can be an emotional roller coaster. But for me. One one of the best things about my life is the group of people I have around training and and my coach and and my my other crew the, my X three crew that that I train with. So to me, that's the reason I keep doing it is because they're my support crew and everything. So what were the highlights for you this year? Uh, the highlights. Um, uh, being out front a couple days, <laughs> that was definitely um, not feeling like I was going to die on the way to the volcano. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, um, the Captain Cook thing was different this year. That was pretty cool. Um, I was uh, last year at King of the Mountain, was a different King of the Mountain, but I was last and had to unclip and, and um, walk up about 300 meters. And we did that before camp, and I didn't have to walk up this year. And then King of the Mountain, I was fifth up, um, which was pretty exciting for me because I'm not a good climber at all. <laughs> and Eddie had to battle through the race as well uh, with a Achilles that's uh, under fairly strong duress and also a broken toe. Yeah, and it still had a pretty good um, time. That that crate, this run course is kind of hard on uh, someone with an Achilles and a toe issue because it's so such a strange surface all the time, just always switching it up and weird. But it was a, a 20, 20 something minute PR, so overall it was great. Um, the weather was a little better, which helped too. But the the overall training for the year and the week was awesome. Um, maybe tell us a bit about your your X three and give you give your camps a bit of a plug. Yeah, so X3 Endurance is, uh, we're based out of Nashville and we have uh, 
five or two we have six coaches and um we're basically a training group with some coaches and we put on some camps in chattanooga and alabama um working on some other camps and some other places and we have ryan bolton come out um and do the camps and sometimes we have other pros come out like we've got maddie reed coming out in june um and ryan if you don't know was a Pro, I mean, I know you know, you know John, but other people may not know. Um, he just coached the winning um, female Boston winner, um, and this year, and then he also coaches full time triathlete uh, triath- triathletes um, is his main job. So um, he he comes out and does all the camps with me, and he's pretty pretty helpful in in having some really amazing camps. He won. Um, he 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 won. Um I mainly placid once, didn't he? Yeah. And he also was, went to Olympics, I think, in Sydney. So, um, guys, check out those camps because uh, Eddie is fun times Eddie. He guaranteed me when he turned up at the camp last year. Uh, he said, "I guarantee we'll have some fun times," and uh, didn't didn't disappoint. Um, what else did we have? What, what what else about this week? Um, you obviously had a few few of your Tennessee girls out here, and um, some of them had different levels of nerves coming into the camp, um, but they all seemed to cope pretty well. Yeah, the girls, um, so three different girls from Nashville area came out with me, and um, uh, it was pretty funny. They all have different experience levels and um, all kind of put a little bit of pressure that this was going to be a good camp on me, and and I'm glad that they are all happy, really, really happy with how the week turned out. we Judy's done 17 Ironman five times over here in Kona, and she's going over to do uh, Germany in July, and I think this is going to be amazing for her. Vicky got to preview the course for when she comes out in October, and Susie's new to the longer distance, and I think this has got her kind of excited to, to keep doing the longer distance. So it was great for them, and it's great to share with people that when I get back home I can say, remember at Epic Camp? <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, it's always good to have you guys. Uh, check out Eddie's um, website, X3, and if you need any real estate. Yeah, eddiefarrell.com if you need any real estate in Tennessee. <laughs> or if you need a realtor wherever you're at, I'll hook you up. <laughs> no, it's always good times. I guarantee you have a good time at his camp. So check it out if you're in that neck of the woods or if you want to go down and uh, suss out Chad Nugas. So thanks for coming, Eddie, and thanks for bringing your crew along, and we'll hope to see you back here another time. Thanks, John. Appreciate you. You do a great camp. Questions and answers. I just chucked that on John there. Okay, Jonbo, we've got an email here from James Botel, and you don't want to use it as discussion of the week, but it's a good one. Richie Port from Australian writer and potential Geo d'Italia. Giro d'Italia. Oh, there you go, sir. I didn't say so much, so much I know about cycling. Uh, contender punctured and was given a race wheel by an Australian compatriot riding for another team. Ordinarily, a great sporting gesture that the race organisers, but in this case, the race organisers rewarded with a two-minute penalty to both riders. Uh, let no good sports deed go unpunished. Cycle is, cycling is morally bankrupt. So the question is, you're a Kona race director. How would you handle this if it happened in the Kona race for the top five contenders? Do you stick to the rules of the sport or do you enforce and encourage, you know, sportsmanship? Jumbo, your thoughts? What whatever happened to this was a question I had around this. Whatever happened to Chrissy when she got given that uh, CO two no, no or whatever? There was no penalty. Mm. No, definitely. So my, we were, my, they were kicked up a storm. Yeah, my take on this is um, if it's against the rules, you get disqualified or you or whatever penalty is in the rule book, then you get it. There's no. Oh, you're a hard ass, Newsom. Yeah. yeah, no, it's just you can't. Otherwise, you just end up with conflict and stuff. It's just right. That's the rule. 
Well, it was like Crowey at this race at the 70.3 in Kona last year got disqualified um, for wearing sleeves uh, underneath his swim skin. Um, now, he got no, uh, I would argue he got zero advantage. If anything, maybe a slight disadvantage from, from doing that. I suppose he didn't have to pull up his uh, suit when he came out of the swim when he was taking off his swim skin, but he got disqualified because it's against the rules. And you've kind of got to stick to the rules. And then we would go back to that case um, of Terenzo at... Uh, in Abu Dhabi? Challenge Dubai, uh, Abu Dhabi, Bahrain, or Dubai, yeah. wherever it was. Um, in that case, somewhere there. Yeah, you've just got to have a rule book and you just say, well, that's the rules. You're disqualified. I'm sorry, um, whether it's your fault or not. So in this case, Richie Port, yeah, he got some help from a teammate. and From another team rider? Yeah, another team rider. So teammates you can get help from, but another team rider. So I've got no problem with it. I think it sucks that he got it. Yeah, it's a stupid rule. Maybe the, maybe, that's the thing. And the, yeah, that, I'd agree with that. The rule I don't think is uh, is right, but it is a rule, and you got to play by the rules. Yeah, well, the rules are there ain't no rules, John. What movie? Come on, I don't know. Come on, I don't know. And I, don't, I don't know, and I don't care. Everybody's listening right now. Come on, if you're listening right now, you're out on the bike. The rules are there ain't no rules. What's the movie? Yes, John, Greece. That's right. I didn't know that. Yeah, when he when he pulls up to in the car and they're they're on that kind of the the in the river thing and they're going to the race and, he, yeah. and the guy with the scar face with all the acne scars he goes the rules are there ain't no rules and I thought that was pretty and cool when I was seeing Greece's was good yeah, yeah Greece's good okay Jumbo um, Kevin Murray sent through I've just been a fan of the show for years now and I find the show a great source of advice for my upcoming Ironman as well as a great source of entertainment and banter keep up the good work guys I'm also hoping that you can help me out with a piece of advice i've entered ironman uk which is taking place on the 19th of july and my training is gearing up well at this moment however my wife has booked one week's holiday in london with the kids aged 10 and 7 on the 5th of july oh the old family problem (laughs) on the 5th of july returning on the 11th of july my problem is that although this week falls into my taper period i am following the dave scott triathlon europe super simple training program for your information I won't have access to either a pool or a bike for this week, so there will be no swimming or cycling. I can, however, pop up early and go for a quick run, maybe 5 or 10k at most, and perhaps squeeze in a long bike before I go to London, and perhaps maybe another one when I return home. However, my dilemma really is that as a holiday will be a tiring one with all the walking about with two small kids, do I just accept that there will be no training this week and forget the early morning runs and rest as much as I can, or should I keep myself ticking over for the week? I don't want the body to seize up. Any thoughts or pointers would be greatly appreciated. For your information, I finished Ironman Wales in 15.09 and my target for Ironman UK would be well under the 4.30, so I'm most definitely not the pointy end of the race, but still like to do well. Kevin, I think what you should do first is you divorce your wife and oh, disown your children exactly. for, for, for putting for putting yourself putting you in this 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 position. You are an athlete, Kevin. You are an athlete. Yeah. And they don't understand what's what bugger them. Thinking. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Question answered. Yeah, next question. Look at here. Patrons? <laughs> no, I, look, I think people get, uh, by that stage, the training's done and uh, you shouldn't need to, you're not really looking for fitness gains. So all I would suggest you do is maybe go for a, an easy run every second day with a good dose of stretching. And that's the main thing if you're going to be walking around on your feet quite a bit of the time. Um, some good stretching, do some things like recovery, legs up the wall from all the walking around if you're doing lots of tourist stuff. And I would not worry 
one iota about um, potential fitness losses. You do want to plan your time before going away and back so you can get a key session done, say, the day before leaving or two days before going, and then have something else and plan, you know, sort of the day after you get back. Um, but if you do that, uh, I would have zero concerns about loss of fitness and just tick over with some easy running, stretching, and recovery stuff like legs up the wall. And if your hotel's got a stationary bike, jump on that for half an hour as well, you know, sometimes, you know, just to kind of mm. spin your legs around as well. We, I have got another email here, John, just look at share from uh, more than sport just sent us through an email just saying hope you guys are well hating the weather the winter here in sydney uh but can't complain that much i know you can't because sydney's with the winter's probably not that bad but just wanted to touch base and send you some information about a joint strava more than sport and everesting event that's happening in june and because we're away i just said well we'll basically kind of talk about it on the show so basically we're asking riders and also runners to climb as many meters as they can in the process joining the star star strava sorry challenge and creating a m more than sport fundraising team or page to raise money for the ongoing relief in nepal following the two devastating earthquakes more and more info will be released, but basically, if you are someone who uses Strava and you want to kind of get involved in something that's a little bit different, I'm going to put a link to it on www.imtalk.me, and it's just got Climb for Nepal, which is on more than sport. You can get involved when you get in your climb, you can add to Strava and maybe do some fundraising around it, and it's obviously going to a pretty important cause. So, um, mm. you know, because, man, that's devastating there. You really like Christchurch. We, we're far out. Our earthquake was horrible. But at least in, in our country, our infrastructure is strong, so... You know, in a place like Nepal, which is earthquake seemed worse than ours, but they they had no infrastructure or was very poorly put mm. together. So it, it was just so devastating, isn't it? Mm. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. So if you guys, if you want to um, do something to help support these guys and more than support, you know, you, we've had them on the show a few times. You're going to know what they're about. Doing really important work in the community. So if you want to get involved and you're doing lots of hill climbing and running, check out the link that I'll put on www.imtalk.me. Jombo mm. patrons. I've got some gold ones this week, Devin. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I've okay, so you want to start. So we let pay, patrons, you're fantastic. These are guys that are helping support the show, keep it rolling, mean that Bevan and I can keep devoting our time to it, help us get to Kona. So next year, 2016, we'll be coming back over, doing all our shows from over here. So if you guys can help in any small way by coming on board, you get a nickname. If you come in on board at a slightly higher level, we've got swim caps and beanies and things like that. So any help we get is greatly appreciated. And first up, uh, a man who was first in the 40 to 44 age group yesterday at the Kona 70.3 and was in general crushing it all week, uh, Tim McClurg, Timotron. Oh, nice. Like it. Timotron. The guy's a machine. I've dropped him off at the airport this morning and I'm sharing a room with him when I get over to Honolulu tonight and we've got a big day of shopping tomorrow. Nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> the boys are going shopping. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go to Victoria's Secret. I'm just going to go and hang. Just going to go and hang out. Yeah, people. Yeah, that's, that's, you do. that's a good thing to do. Uh, right, next one, Mark Thatcher, Steely. Nice. Now, here, here, here's how I'm going. I, I, I see. I Thatcher, see this. Yeah, um, Margaret Thatcher. Yes. She was the Iron Lady, so I was thinking Iron, but I thought I'm not going to use Iron. I'll probably get sued by WTC. Yep. So I'm going Steel, Steely, nice. Steely, Mark Thatcher. Nice. It's good. I like it, Newsom. Why did I, oh, here we go. Here we, this, this is where I remember this one now. Uh, Andrew Gilmore, you yep. might have gone down the Happy Gilmore route. Yeah, it definitely would have. But, it's an obvious choice. Yeah, but I went down. When, uh, Andrew in his picture must have either been on Facebook or, um, or the one that he sent in or might have been on Athlinks. He had a white bike, a white top, 
white armor so he was going for the white any everything so i'm calling him stormtrooper nice that is good yes gareth donnelly gareth donnelly sent through his pick and and guys if you're patrons and you haven't sent through your picks um photos of you guys and a little bit about you flick them through we've got them up on our patrons page uh and gareth sent his through and he looked to me to be a Spitting image of Ben Hoffman, so oh, yeah. I'm calling him the Hoff. Nice, it's good. I like that. You've given me just one this week. I'm quite happy with that. Uh, Stuart <laughs> Stuart Smith. Now the obvious choice is Agent because have you seen The Matrix? Mm, yeah, yeah, oh, sort of. Come on, use him. The That's Matrix. It. I didn't get it. You didn't yeah. get the Matrix. Move on. I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> you must be the only person in the world who didn't enjoy The Matrix. Well, The Matrix is a legendary. Middle is second and third. A little bit all over there, yeah. but the first Matrix is absolute gold. Well, one of the baddies is Agent Smith. And so the obvious choice is Agent, and I thought, no, no, he is the hero, Stuart Smith. So he is Neo, because that was Neo from the Matrix. Okay. So there we go. Okay, yeah. nice work. And Joseph Bork. The Night Shadow, who's been a past contributor. So, guys, thanks ever so much for helping the show. It does mean a lot to us. And if you want to be a patron, just go to our website, www.imtalk.me, and we'll get a little patrons link there, and you can see all the options. And uh, and just once again, for those who are patrons, you, it really helps us a lot. So we really, really appreciate it, and it kind of helps us do what we're doing better and better. So thank you very much. Jombo, sponsors. Athlinks.com. Oh, you haven't done Extreme Endurance. Um, oh, got to give endurance. Yeah. So, Extreme Endurance sponsor Epic Camps as well. And one of the cool things about that has been, uh, you know, this year we, we, we always, with the, the Kona Camps, we always have a good number of people coming back. And that's, uh, I think it's just a, it's a sign that, a, we put on a good camp, and B, people just, uh, just love the experience. But we had a, you know, a number of uh, new people coming on the camp this year and the number that don't actually listen to the podcast well, god knows why not partly because we talk too fast um so they fault. haven't really didn't yeah didn't really know what extreme endurance was and it was really cool to be um sitting down we're sort of dishing out all the sponsors product and stuff and so many people on the camp when i'm dishing out that the others are going what what is what's this stuff here is it like pills and the others go oh you've got to get on it you've got to get on it it's fantastic stuff so it's really cool when we see so many you know um testimonials from people just saying how well it's worked for them you know in terms of the recovery and it's something that you know pretty much all the athletes through the camp take and it really helps them to stay in one piece and make sure that you know at the end of our week that they can get out there and kick some butt on race day and and not you know not have those really sore legs and and most of them are bounced back really well um today seem to be wandering around uh and not too many sore bodies so check it out guys xendurance.com um, also got all the other products that, that guys were using this week were um, Hydro X just in terms of a fantastic electrolyte um, blend and you don't take huge quantities of it it's not a, a sports drink it's just something you'd have uh, before training and then we were using some Execute for post race recovery and then if you want to stay nice and healthy they've got the immune boost so check it all out on xendurance.com Okay Jumbo I've just been on your Facebook Epic Camp page and further mm. on down the page, from March the 10th, someone's put a, a picture from the Wanaka Sun from 2007, where you and you and you and oh, that was me. you and Melina are on the front page, superstars in the Wanaka area. Yeah. And uh, but the question is, is that Albert in the background? Yes, yes, I think so. I can't. I'm trying to scroll down. That was the Aquathon we did, and that was uh, yeah. I think I, I, I it is. So what yep, have I been there as well? Was was I there as well? 2007. I probably was there. Yeah, that was probably the. That was the year that I got third in Wanaka, I think, first time. 
yeah, so we did the aquathon along the front, and I was running along with uh, with Albert, and um, and then I just gassed him towards the end. I remember that well. <laughs> I'm sure Albert loves. That. He may he may be the third fastest marathon in the world for his age group, but I gassed him in that aquathon. Well, Jumbo, I've got some good news for you, Jumbo. So, what's your goss? Our sponsors sponsors are Athlinks.com, social networking for endurance athletes, and Extreme Endurance. Uh, your lactic buffer, and again, all our patrons, Jumbo. What's your goss? We've just been on camp all week, so I think I've shared everything from this week in terms of uh, what's been going on. So, no no major goss this week. What do you got? Well, we had the Christchurch Marathon here yesterday, Jombo. It was a big day in Christchurch mm-hmm. yesterday because we had the marathon, and it was a, an absolutely stunning day, which is absolutely awesome. Um, and it was back in the city, which is kind of cool. But then they also blew up the police station, which was a big I, day. I, I saw that, yeah. It looked like it toppled over one way. Crikey, did Yeah, no, they did that deliberately, but... Yeah, because I saw it and I was like, "Oh man, that's a disaster!" <laughs> but but mm. turns out that was what they're aiming to do. But um, but I saw a few few listeners of the show. Ian Wood, I think he. I'm not sure if he did the marathon. He, he did do the marathon. He did. He did one one twenty three. He beat the Philinator Phil Patterson by did, about did twenty think seconds. Philinator wasn't looking too happy as he was coming into the finishing shoot. I, yeah. I, I didn't see Zania Morrison finish, but I heard her name being called across. I think she did the ten k. Right. So, uh, but Swanee Noah. Because one thing you mm-hmm. need to know, Jonbo, is that the Christchurch Marathon was also the New Zealand Championship for the half marathon. And I didn't we noticed it was quite a strong field. And and do you know what, Jonbo? We have a we have what? a New Zealand champion listener. Because Swanee uh-huh. Noah took out his age group in the New Zealand Championship. Ah, oh, he's got the sixty to sixty-five <laughs> age group, isn't he? <laughs> no. It took well, you he must, the thing of it, but you pulled it off. Yeah. Was he 30, 34 or 35, 39? Uh, One or the other. He'd probably be 35, 39, wouldn't he? I'm not sure he's there or thereabouts. Probably somewhere he's, smack he's, been, he's been around for a while, let's be honest. Mm. So he did, I think he did 112. And uh, yep, he so. wasn't totally happy with his race. I had a quick chat to him for about two seconds when we were kind of on the side of the road. And I kept yelling to him in the race. Because I've got a microphone, John. People can hear me. And he just ignored mm. me. Where's the love swan? Focus. Focus. Wow. Wow, he won the race, you know, like far out, Brussels sprout. So, um, wait, so you want to pull up his results? Let's have a look. We're on the website here, 2015, and he did the half marathon. The winner of the half marathon did 105, pretty decent time. Half marathon run, mm-hmm. let's have a look. And average time was 159. There you go, this average time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so he did 12. Okay, Swanee, no, Richard Swans, Richard Swan. He's, he didn't quite make the front page. But he didn't make the second page, so uh, oh, second page. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe wait a second. Let's have a look here. Richard Swan. I know this is great podcasting. Maybe take great, great outstanding. What, what time are you flying out today, Jombo? He said one. Well, I'm about to, once we're done with our podcast, we've got to do about six weeks of podcasting here because Bevan's selfishly going away. Uh, I'm going to go out for a ride. I'm going to go riding down towards Harvey and back just to loosen the old legs off a bit. Pop through Kauai, and then I think I'll go down for a swim later on. Maybe he didn't win his age group. Maybe he got in the podium because he got he did one twelve oh six, and in the male in the category of twenty to thirty nine, he got nineteenth overall. But again, that'll just be a timing thing. He he will have been first in the thirty to thirty nine or something like that. But they've yeah. uh, just done one big category. Yeah. Well done, Swanee. Bevan, what are you up to this week? Average pace of three twenty four is pretty good. That's solid. That's solid. Jumbo, I'm going to Bali. <laughs> Nice, and and, yeah. I've, uh, and I've, I've I've discovered a, an important life lesson for this trip to Bali, Jombo, because mm-hmm. we've been looking to you know we booked our Bali flight probably 
don't know, Joe probably booked it at some stage earlier in the year. Mm. And I've made a fatal error. I've got too excited about my trip too early. Mm. You know, you know what I mean. Do you mm-hmm. have that? You know, when you know you're going overseas and you're really excited. Well, I started thinking about this eight weeks ago, and yeah. it's doing my it's been doing my head in. I, I need to be in Bali now. I've still got two days to go. I'll send you through some more work to do to keep you keep you occupied. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. Just you just keep keep replying to those emails when you're away, and I'll I'll yeah. I'll line up a whole bunch of things when you're lying on the beach in Bali, and plenty of invites to interviews we're going to do and stuff just to keep you level headed. Oh. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to be overselling it to yourself. You know, it'll just be disappointing when you get there. Oh, I don't know. This is, I, I, I trust the trip would be a good trip, but I, I've, someone said to me, which is a good strategy, is they said what you want to do is you want to go. However long the holiday is, that's only when you can start thinking about it. So if it's right. a 10-day holiday, you start thinking about 10 days beforehand. So we're going away for three weeks. Okay. I, so I should have started thinking about about three weeks ago, not eight weeks ago. So, so team. Tough was, life you've got there, Bevan. Tough life. First world problems, John. That's what I have. Yeah. First world problems. No, no, yeah. Other than that, John, but not much really. The marathon was pretty cool. Um, that's about it. I think we should wrap it up. We've got another hour to go. Fine, Russ. I'm in Train hard. Train smart. Kicker. I think it's the best we've ever done. You know, no, we nailed it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we nailed it. Yeah, I'm about to say it's the best. You're saying it's a shocker. Okay, we'll see you next week, guys.